It's such a blessing to my heart to be here with you today and have the opportunity to share God's word. God's word is so life-changing. God's word is so strengthening. It really helps us. It sorts us out, as the scripture says, tells us, shows things like they are. And I pray today that that will be our experience. So let us pray together. Father God, we are the ones who come to you and we worship in spirit and truth. And we ask today, Lord Jesus, that you would come and just dwell here among us, that your presence by the Holy Spirit would be here. And Lord, as that woman at the well was told that she would worship in spirit and truth, Lord, we worship you with our lives. We worship you with our minds and our thoughts. We worship you from deep within in our own spirits. And we ask, Lord, that you would reveal, that you'd bring your light to shine in our lives, and that you would just direct our path. Help us, Lord, to come up higher. Help us, Lord, to see truth as you see it. And we just thank you for your spirit that is upon us now. Amen. Amen. So our theme for this year and, and, uh, and of our conference just passed is a king and a cause. And I might just note today that in Canberra, they are having their missions conference with this theme. And in Melbourne, the very same. And in a couple weeks in Phoenix, we're just going to go on with this cause of the king of kings. And you know, when we understand who he is and we understand his cause, just a little bit that we can understand, we know that we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And yet, you know, it's just seems to be natural that our feet are so grounded on the earth that we often have this viewpoint, you know, see your toes. Glad to see my toes. But <laughs> sometimes I've been so big I couldn't see my toes. <laughs> but we just have that view that's so up close. And we're going to talk about having a much bigger viewpoint over the cause of the king. And what is the cause of the king? That this gospel should be preached into all the world. That every soul would have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. God's will is that none should perish. God's will is that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So we are part of something really big, as big as it actually gets. As big as it actually gets. If you could stretch your mind, this is as big as it ever gets. And we need to know that we are carriers of the kingdom of God that dwells within us. If we belong to Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus, if he lives in our hearts, then we are carriers of the kingdom of God. And today we're going to examine just how it is that he positions us for his purpose. And that we all are, we're all part of that. All as individuals look around this room, there's so many of us, different lifestyles, ages, cultures, and yet here we come together in this one church and as the body of Christ in the earth, positioned for the purposes of God. You might not realize that that neighborhood you live in and that neighbor you have next door, you are positioned for the kingdom of God. You may not realize that that job you have is positioned you for the kingdom of God. You might not even Appreciate the fact that that family that you are a part of is positioned you for the kingdom of God. You know, Mordecai, if we could just borrow the words of Mordecai to, to Esther, he said, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knows? Who knows? Do we ever know? Sometimes we don't realize it because it's just we're so close in that ground view. 
We don't understand the importance and the potential of where God has positioned us. And so to be kingdom of God-minded is to have a big picture mindset. So I want to use that word a few times today, a big picture mindset. And that we need to view our lives as our surrender to the King of Kings and to his cause. And we are called to this cause, and so it requires that we somehow get up above it all and have a higher view, a big picture view. And it's, it, that's hard to do when we're so involved in our everyday life, isn't it? We have to somehow find a way to see things in a bigger point of view. I've asked the team to demonstrate to us Google Earth. Has anybody ever used Google Earth on your computer or a phone? Just raise your hand so I get an idea. Most people have. Okay, could we just run that so we could just see that up there? Okay, this is the outer space view of the planet. And then is it going to move or do something? <laughs> Turn us over to the continent of Australia. We are a nation and a continent, which is amazing. And then we come in to one Simeon Road, where we are sitting right now, and down we go over there. Do we get closer? I don't know if you can. Have you ever played around with it? Yeah. Oh, I love it. You know, and during lockdown, some people just traveled the world. (laughs) Someone went to Nona's village in Italy, you know, and that kind of thing. You could do that. And if you're further on with it, have you ever played with Street View? So you've got the hover above, you know, satellite view, and then there's street view, and all of a sudden it all tilts, and you come down there, and you're standing looking at the place that you're at. Well, you know, most of us live our lives in street view, don't we? We just do. We live in street view. That's just natural to us. But to be big picture, kingdom of God-minded, we have to somehow find the way to get up above it, get into that satellite view to, to look above everything that we see. And then those little details that annoy us or worry us or concern us or take all our time, they kind of disappear, don't they? We don't even see them. They're not even part of the deal because we're looking at the big picture. And, you know, we have to do both. We actually have to be involved in our lives. We have to do the things that we're responsible for. But we have to, from time to time, have a way of getting up above it. And that may be that we need to take some time out for special prayer. Or maybe we need to go out for a walk and clear our head and our mind and just ask, God, help me to renew my sight to see what I see. Maybe it's in the midst of a conflict. And now you're so involved in the emotion of the moment that that you can't see the big picture. Well, you need to be able to retract and rise above and get to where you need to be to see it. So we have this privilege of being part of God's kingdom plan. Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6.10. It records, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we are praying for the kingdom of God to be manifested here in earth. I like Pastor Rick Warren. You know, we have as a church leaned on his materials, in particular, The Purpose-Driven Life. Everybody ought to have a copy of that book. Just like you have a Bible, you ought to have a copy of that book. And I think, you know, from time to time, it's worth just reading it again because it just so repositions. That is a great tool to get the big picture. 
If you're lost down into things, get that book, read it, and it will reposition your point of view. I just want to read the first paragraph of his book because I think this is the mindset that we need to have. He says, the first phrase says, and it'll come up, it's not about you. Doesn't he just knock you in the head? You know, it's not about you. And then he continues to show you through that book. We'll read it together. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. Oh, really? I thought it was. No. (laughs) It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. It's a big thought. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. We say amen, amen and amen. So we want to see those things that are invisible yet, but that are in God's heart and his, his mind. He is the one who sees the beginning and he sees the end. Have you ever had that 2020 vision that comes with hindsight and you've said things like, oh, I wish I knew. I wish I had known that. I wouldn't have, or I would have. Well, that, you know, I wish we could have that kind of hindsight ahead of it. We can rarely even see the present, let alone our future. And so that's why we have to walk by faith. That's why we have to trust in the God who does know the beginning, the in-between, and even the end, that if we walk with him and we're uncertain in our steps, we keep having these checks, God. Just show me. Show me what to do. Show me how. Help me see as you see. We have sung those words because we see as we see, but we need to see as he sees. And so we have to do whatever we need to do to get that big point of view God has a plan. We're part of that plan. And it's comforting to know that and to know that he will fulfill his will through us long as we walk with him in obedience to him. And sometimes when we take detours, he's really good at getting us back into where we need to go. So we look for some cues. We look along the way. How do we know that we're on track? What do I do next? Have you ever said, I haven't got a clue? We have felt like that. I haven't got a clue. I don't know what to do. We still have to move forward, but we find affirmation in the Lord. We find affirmation in his peace that comes to our spirit. We find affirmation in his word that directs us. But sometimes we can't hear his voice or that voice gets distorted or, or you know, the emotion of, of a moment might cloud what we're hearing or we might be hearing our own voice. We might be living in reaction. We might be hearing the voices of others around us that contribute to it, like Job and his friends that tried to give him some clarity. A lot of clarity they gave him. They just gave him theology that was kind of tilted in the wrong direction and didn't really have an accurate picture of what God is like. You know, COVID is still a trigger word for most of us, having lived through this couple years of difficulty. And we're still trying to get a big picture understanding of that. We're maybe still too close to it to get out from it. But I think we all learn things in that period of time and that hindsight comes and, and says, you know, I learned this about myself, I learned this about God. But when we were in it, It was just confusion, wasn't it? It was just like, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to believe. And there was fear. There was anxiety. And I remember that Jack and I, we both felt like that, just like you did. But he said, I know one thing, and that I am to get, 
our church through this and out the other side standing in faith. And so sometimes life can be that confusing, but you know one thing, we got to get through this with God's help and over to the other side. So that's big picture thinking when we're in the midst of clouds and fog and storm and everything else that might come our way. So we have a king and a cause. And last year we talked about being fearless. And now that ties into this theme of his cause because we have to have a fearless mindset if we're to stand for the king and his cause. So God has his will for our lives, but we also have our part in being receptive and walking in that will. And so the first thing is that we should have an expectation of God. We should live with expectancy in our hearts that God is good, that God's purposes are real and true, and that I'm a part of it, and I need to understand what that is. And he'll show me if I ask him. Psalm 62, verse 5, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Second thing that we need to have in our toolkit is our obedience in action as well as in attitude. That's a sit-law moment where we stop and think about that because sometimes there is outward obedience but an inward attitude of begrudging or bitterness or fear or any of those other things. So both of those things are important to have our actions and our attitudes together in our obedience to God. And we can't shortchange ourselves on that one. You know, God does care that we obey him, that we are willing and obedient. Another thing that we will talk about here in some examples today is negotiating the land of in-between. Have you ever been in the land of in-between, between a promise or a faith goal and the actuality of it? That in-between, that's the hard bit. That's the bit where a lot of us just stop and go, oh, I don't know, I don't know. You give up and you quit. And then if you have over years and years of those kind of in-betweens and giving up and quit, you begin to develop a pattern that, that sometimes just misleads us off in walking with God and we don't, we don't know how we got there. So we have to negotiate the in-between bits really well and we're going to talk about that. We also need to understand our perception filters. We all perceive things as we are, not necessarily as they are. We perceive from our point of view, we perceive from past experience, maybe from uh, hurts that have not been healed, maybe from other mindsets that are not according to the word of God. We see things as we see them. So we have to be aware that we perceive things with a filter. And so the, God's word is a great filter for our thoughts. And that helps us get it right, cleans us up. And then we need to understand what is the flip side of expectation. We started with that. But you know, sometimes the flip side comes to us and it's called disappointment. Disappointment. We have to have a strategy for handling our disappointments. We need to be able to have something ahead of time that says, if this doesn't work out, I'm not going to give up and quit. I'm going to keep on trying, or I'm going to try something else, or I'm going to just believe and walk by faith, or whatever it is, I'm going to ask God to heal my hurts and not let me get stuck there. You need a strategy for disappointments, because truthfully, they come. Amen? They do come. That's part of life. You know, I just, I could just glow and 
talk about all the good things of God and make you think that you'll never have a problem, but I wouldn't be doing, I'd be doing you a disservice to act like that or say that because they do come. And so how we handle our setbacks and our disappointments is so critical. And we can't afford to let failure or disappointment define us as some people have. And then that's a mistake because we do need to stand back up again, dust ourselves off and have another go. (laughs) So we're going to talk about two very well-known Bible characters that illustrate this big picture thinking. And they are Jacob and his son, Joseph. And one had a street view of life and the other had the satellite, big picture, Google Earth view of life. And it made all the difference in the world. And yet God still accomplished his will through them. Just one of them had a lot more difficulties in doing it. So if you, we're going to just take a fast, fast look at the book of Genesis. And we started Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. And we're not going to read all of it. But from Genesis 12 through 50, we get a big picture view of God's plan for Israel and what was going to happen. So the Lord came to Abraham and he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So if we take the satellite view and we zoom out to look at this, God had a plan that through Abraham, who there was no Jews yet, so we can't call him the first Jew because he was Abraham. He was a Chaldean and he was called out to a land that God would show him because he wanted to make a separate people that he wanted something special to do with. So the Google Earth view is coming up from this little man, Abraham, moving over to the land of Canaan, receiving a promise from God. And and what was the promise? I will make you a great nation. And what happened in his life? He was childless. He had no son. He had no heir. And then the promise came to him and an angel spoke and said, you know, your wife this time next year will have a son. And speed forward to Isaac, the son of promise that God gave to him. And yet that was not a great nation. That was a son and, you know, a a big company of people that were uh, part of his, um, not his family, but his tribe, I guess, his people. Uh, the servants and all the others around them. So they were hundreds, but that was yet not yet a great nation. And then there was Isaac. And he was the, the son of promise, but he was not yet a great nation. God reiterated the promise to him. And he finally had his sons, Jacob, Esau and Jacob. And you know, this is who we're going to settle in on, is Jacob and specifically. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob was the secondborn. And God was going to make from that family, the foundational family that would become the 12 tribes of Israel that eventually would become the nation of Israel. So zoom out, satellite view from Jacob to his 12 sons to all their years in Egypt and and to the multitude that they became and to them going into the land of Canaan and them establishing themselves as a nation. And wow, what a big plan. But it was bigger than that. It was as big as it gets because it was through that nation that God would send his son, Jesus Christ, the savior of the whole world, 
that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So that's a big picture thinking. We go back to Jacob and all his difficulties and all his problems and we find that God had a plan and a purpose for that man in the midst of all his problems, that he had a plan that we are a part of, that we are the recipients of what God did with that big picture plan. Okay, is that, are you tracking with me? Are we zooming in out and get, getting all that? Okay. And you know, Jacob's path was just riddled with so many stones of trickery and pride and deceit and, you know, just upset attitudes and broken relationships and he just didn't do relationships well you know he he just was in in some respects you think him why did God choose him and yet yet he did and you know the Bible is raw in its reality and I'm so glad those things aren't covered up aren't you I don't think I would like to have all my faults written in the Bible that people could look at him and go why did she do that and why did she think that? And why did she say that? I would hate for that to be. But that's in Jacob's case. And we read in Romans 15, Paul's commenting, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. So let's be encouraged by Jacob's mistakes today, shall we? <laughs> okay, so we're looking at him. He, Jacob had this... He did have a personal rev- revelation of the Lord for himself. You remember wrestling with the angel? You remember the, the ladder up into the heavens and the angels coming up and down? There was a lot of God experience in his life. And yet it seems that he acted as if that didn't happen. He just picked himself up and kept going and doing what he was doing. And so he wasn't this man of stellar character that you would expect he should be if he's going to be this father of the foundational family. He wasn't. And yet, warts and all, uh, falling short and all those things, uh, God used that. And so he got into a mess with his brother Esau by stealing his birthright. And he, he was so angry, Esau was so angry that it was time for Jacob to leave. And so he went to the land of Padam, Around And on the way, he met the Lord who stood before him and told him that he was going to bring him back to the very land that he was now sleeping on. And so he went on and he continued and he went to Padam Aran. And there he met Rachel and how he fell in love with her. Love at first sight. And he worked to have her for his wife. And the seven years seemed like one day. And then when the day came that he was to take her for his wife, he woke up in the morning and found out it was her sister, Leah, and that Laban had said it's, two for, it's a two for thing. You, can't, you have to have them both. So he served another seven years, and it was so difficult to him. And there was always these interpersonal conflicts between him and Laban. And so he, he felt that it was time to leave, and so he all at once just got up and left, didn't say goodbye, just like, okay, this is going to be not just that this is emotionally hard, this is going to be a fight. And so he just left, and then he was caught up with, you know, Laban, didn't you let me say goodbye even and kiss my grandchildren and all that? And, you know, off he went. Really fast forward, aren't we? (laughs) And then he comes into the land, and he meets his brother Esau. And it must have been frightening to meet him again. And uh, it was amiable, but they also decided to both go their own directions. So now we fast forward to Genesis 37, And these boys are all grown up, and they're fathers of their own family. 
And Jacob had two, his two younger sons, Joseph and Benjamin, were the sons that, that, he, uh, that were born to him from Rachel. And so he was partial to them. And these older boys knew that. And it was really obvious with Joseph because he made him that coat of many colors and he stood out. And it, it was just envy and jealousy. And it was not well thought through, but it was there it is. That's how it was. But Joseph was also chosen by God. And he had a destiny over his life. God had a purpose for Joseph that was very specific to this family and to the future potential nation. And so he had these dreams. You recall the dreams of uh, what appeared to be his father and mother and his brothers bowing down to him. And that didn't come across really well. I think there was some naivety there as, as he spoke that. And so they were, weren't received as protection, but as domination. And so his brothers rejected that. And so the jealousy continued, and they couldn't stand it anymore. And you know how he was sold into slavery in Egypt. And this must have seemed so harsh and unjust. Even to us looking at it these days, it looks so harsh and unjust. But we have this satellite view, and we want to say, Joseph, keep on going because God has a plan for your life. Wouldn't you love to have someone standing over you and say, keep on going. Andrew, keep on going. God has a plan for your life. Amen? He does. Okay, so anyway, satellite view. (laughs) Have you ever had something happen to you like that, that later on you look back and you go, God was in that? That was really hard. Actually, that was painful, but God was in that. I know I, I don't have much time to share, but Jack experienced the removal of his credential, his Uh, uni uni scholarship and the church he was pastoring part-time because the denomination he was a part of did not endorse the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so everything left literally in one day and he was left in tears to wonder, what what am I supposed to do now? I know I have a call of God on my life. Be like Joseph in the prison. I know I'm supposed to rule, but I am a slave in prison. You know, that's, sometimes life takes turns like that and we don't get it. But if we can get up above it, if God can just help us lift our sights for a moment, and even if we can't, if we can't see it all, but we can say, God, I trust you. I believe you have a plan for my life. I believe I'm a part of your great plan. And I'm just going to keep on following you, trusting you. You'll, cry, you'll dry my tears as I cry them. You'll comfort my heart as it breaks. Because that's how we have to get through life. Amen. So Joseph expected to be a ruler, but he found himself a prisoner. In Psalm 105, uh, verses 17 through 19, it says, Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. God was building the character of that man. Because he wasn't yet ready to rule all of Egypt. He wasn't yet to save the world at that point in that part of the world from, in that famine. He wasn't ready yet. And God's way was to put him in prison. And the um, literal translation when it says the iron around his neck, it was the iron into his soul. Iron went into his soul. That hardness, that harshness went into him. But it didn't make him bitter. It made him stronger. 
It's like getting a backbone. You know, it made him stronger. And so perhaps for you, what you're experiencing right now is an opportunity for God to strengthen you, to help you to come out better and not bitter, to come out stronger and able to, to do the next thing that he has for you. It's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? It's all how we see it. It's all the future, all that we see it through. So he had to deal with his disappointment, and we have to deal with our disappointments because the emotional pain will cloud our vision from seeing what we want to see. And so in one day, things changed for Joseph when he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh and he was brought to the highest position in the land just under Pharaoh and to to lead and to rule. It changed in a day, but sometimes things will change over time as well, and we just have to keep trusting for that. And so the intersection of Jacob and Joseph and all the things that were going to happen now, it all began to revolve around Joseph, just like he saw in his dream. And the famine struck the land. His brothers traveled down to Egypt to get food. And they appeared before Joseph, who they assumed to be the most fearful leader. And he was gruff with them. And he did not let his identity be known to them. And so they must have been very afraid. And he said, you have to prove to me who you are. And bring to me your youngest brother, Benjamin. Well, they knew that that was an unreasonable request. And they kept, he kept Simeon there as ransom as well, that they would come back. So they headed back to their father. Their, their money appeared in their sacks mysteriously. And when they came to uh, see their father, and they came to talk to him and tell him all that had happened and what was supposed to, what they needed to do now. Let's read what he said. This is Genesis 42, verse 36. Their father Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my sons. Joseph is gone and Simeon is gone. Now you want me to take Benjamin? Everything happens to me. What a sobering statement and what a street view. Jacob had. Everything happens to me. He did not see anything of God's purpose with his life. He did not flourish in the fact that he had 12 sons and that he was in the line of descent from the promise of Abraham that there would be a great nation. He didn't see it. He didn't remember his visitations with the angel and he didn't remember any of it. He just remembered that his sorrow and his grief was continuing. He wept for the loss of Joseph, he wept for now the loss of Simeon, and he was threatened to lose Benjamin. Everything happens to me. In other words, everything bad happens to me. And you know, some people go through life feeling like that because we do. Life is a succession of ups and downs, of good times and bad times, of happy times and sad times. That's just life on the planet, right? But what do we remember? Do we remember all these good things in the promise of God, or do we remember all the bad things? Because it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of handling the in-betweens. It's a matter of dealing with our disappointments in the right way. He just could not see the big picture. So in the final chapters of the book of Genesis, we see that Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers. And somehow through all of that hardship, he kept that big picture perspective. Not once do we read in the scripture, this happened to Joseph and he felt like that. It's just this happened to Joseph. And then this opportunity came. And then that thing happened. You know, he just was always 
with the big picture view. And that's what sustained him. And that's what can sustain us in the midst of things, to keep a big picture. Like I know God wants to use me. This is tough, but God's with me. I know that I am going, I'm going to raise a family for the glory of God. Doesn't look like it right now, but God is with me. He, he will help me. And so it came, we're coming to the close, and I'll ask the team to come back up on the platform. It came to the end of uh, Jacob's life. Now, the, the family had been brought down to Egypt. There'd been this wonderful, wonderful reconciliation of, of Jacob with Joseph and all the family brought into a place of safety. And now the years had passed and Jacob had died. And his brothers, Joseph's brothers, feared that now that Jacob's gone, that this was all just a you know, facade. He was just playing nice. And now he's going to have revenge on us. He, the scripture says, and he will hate us and repay us for all the evil we did to him. That's what they thought. They still had, isn't that terrible? That's where they weren't thinking like, glory to God, we've been saved. This is wonderful. It was like, okay, this is just waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's going to happen for us. And so they sent messengers to Joseph to beg him for forgiveness. And Joseph wept when he heard that message. Genesis 50, verse 18, it says, Then his brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He kept the big picture in mind. And if we're going to be kingdom-minded people, we have to keep the big picture in mind. And you know that big picture will help you rise above the difficulties of your life. It will help you get beyond the painful episodes that you have. It will help you with your interactions with people when they are harsh and where they are hard because you know that God's got a big plan. And this is just an irritating moment. And so you can pull back. You can pull your heart back from that. You can let your emotions calm down. Don't be condemned. Just calm down. (laughs) Amen. Because in the scheme of things, in the wonderful plan of God, it's a small incident. And I pray today that we can do that. And so as we conclude, we know that we are part of God's will and plan as individuals, but also collectively. And the more that we can cooperate with that plan, the more we can accomplish for the kingdom of God. We have to know that in God's big picture, he reveals promises to us and provisions, and he gives us signs and clues along the way. And that we, as our walk, has to be one of faith and obedience in what we, what we know to be true. And we also have to always be mindful that we perceive things as we are, not as they are. So we need personal filters changed. I get a reminder on my phone every month, on the 17th of the month, clean the air conditioning filter. (laughs) Maybe we need a reminder that says, clean your perception filter. It needs it again. It needs it regularly, not just once. It needs it all the time. We need to negotiate disappointment well when it comes because they will come. And you know, they're part of your story. Why not have a good story? Hey, why not have a good story instead of, oh, that was so horrible, but that was tough. But, you know, on the other side, God did this and he did that and I saw that and that happened. 
write the story well. And we need Holy Spirit's insight to help us hover up above it all and get that big picture and get that perspective. Can I pray for you? And then the team will lead us in the song. Father, thank you for your word of truth. Thank you that you are writing a story of all of our lives. But Father, we are part of your big story. We're part of your big picture plan. And just as we talked about Jacob, we talked about Joseph. Lord, we are people with our own faults and our own failures. And Lord, I just pray that your grace will come to our hearts this morning that we will see you in the big scheme of things and that, Lord, you will help us rise above those things that are difficult to quit the street view and have the satellite view, to see the big picture that, Lord, you are truly at work in our lives and in those around us. And, Lord, I pray that you will use us for the glory of God and we pray may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.